0: to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.blchurch.tv. We are in a series called Sevenfold Focus, talking about the vision God has for our church. There are seven areas of focus for ministry that I believe God has, has said that he wants us to focus on. And as we grow, as we build this ministry, we partner with God to make an impact in the kingdom of God in this area. And we've covered the uh, focuses in the area of prayer, of the prophetic, of praise and worship. And last week, we uh, looked at the ministry of deliverance. And it's, it's awesome to see how Jesus, as he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the enemy, What the Bible tells us is that when we do his work, we do the same thing. Not only do we free individuals and help their lives be better and more fruitful, but we also begin to shift culture around us. We begin to shift the culture in their home, in the place where they work. We begin to shift culture because God is at work. God is now leading in that area. And as we shift culture where we are and the church begins to grow and expand, We overthrow the power of the enemy. That's why Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's a good thought, isn't it? That one day that as we expand that the enemy, the demonic kingdom, Satan will be unthroned on this earth and Jesus will be sitting on the throne on this earth. That is our blessed hope. And we have a partnership with the Lord in bringing that to be. And so. I just really believe that in this day and time, as we continue to move on the offensive, that we are partnering with God to do something very special, that the enemies of God will soon be underneath his feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're on the cusp of what I believe to be the last or next great revival. such an exciting time to be a believer in Christ in this day and age. But today, our focus, we're going to talk about healing. This is exciting this is awesome that when we look at the life of Christ, we can't read about Jesus and not talk about all the things that he done, that he's done. How many people he healed? How awesome is it to, to read the story about how he goes into a town and the multitudes, we're talking thousands of people, follow him. They, they, they find him everywhere he goes. They would they would find him. And the scripture says, and he healed all that were sick of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases Uh, like we get tired of sitting around for an hour on a Sunday morning singing some songs and hearing a sermon right like like that wears us out it you think it wears you out it wears me out like you know how tired I get when I leave the stage when I when I go home I like Sunday afternoon nap that's my thing that's my jam Sunday afternoon nap don't don't bother me on Sunday afternoons I'm sleeping and I will ignore you snooze that's what I do but it's exhausting Jesus would often preach all day long and minister all day long and heal everyone he didn't it says that he turned no one away This is our God. This is the magnitude of the heart of our God and what he did uh, In his life and in his ministry and the scripture tells us that he has passed this mantle of healing onto the church He says I'm going to be with the father and But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. You will testify about what you've seen and what you've heard, what you've experienced in your own life. You're going to be able to tell and demonstrate that very thing in the lives of other people. The Holy Spirit has come so that we can carry on where Jesus left off. And I don't want to be long today because I want to give time at the end to be able to pray for those who need a healing In their life and for those who are ready for once in their life to take the next level in their faith journey to be filled with the Spirit and go out and do what Jesus has called us to do we've come to a point in the life of the church where playing games has to be done this nation is going to hell in a handbasket you think the the trailer for living in Babylon was intense we're living this every single day in our jobs in our schools in our places of work Saying you're a Christian and living like the devil has got to end in the church. It's got to end in the church. We are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You don't light a candle and put it under a bushel so no one can see the light. You raise it up high so that the light can shine to all who are lost in the darkness. Cultural Christianity and lukewarmness and complacency has to stop, and it has to begin with us, with us we can go home now. A while ago, I, uh, for those of you that know me, you, you, you may know this story, or at least you would know this about me. I'm not the most handy guy in the world when it comes to trying to fix things. Um, I, when I was growing up, my, my dad never taught me how to work on my car or how, to, or how to fix anything. When I got old enough to drive, the most he did was show me where to take my car to get it fixed. And, and this is kind of the, the environment that I grew up in, and when I married my wife, who's from Michigan, car country, and we moved up here, I soon realized that there weren't many folks like me that, that needed to know where to take your car. Most guys that I know can fix their own car, and, and so that kind of put me at a disadvantage, n- not only o- amongst the people I, I hang out with, but also in view of my wife. You know, she wants to look at me as this strong guy that can take care of things, and, and I can't fix stuff to save my life. It reminds me of like Tim Allen in that show, Home Improvement, years ago, where he'd try to fix things and end up breaking and being worse than, than before. That's, that's generally been my, uh, my MO in, um, in my home. But uh, my starter in my car went out, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix my car, I, I'm going to show my wife, I'm a man, I can do this. You know, I'm a, I'm a tough guy, I'm a provider, I provide, i grown, I'm a grown man. You know, this is this me. You know, I'm going to do this. A- and I, I uh, went and I bought the part, bought the new starter, made sure I had the tools, and I did what any self-respecting do-it-yourselfer does when they're not quite sure how to get started. I went onto YouTube and watched the video. You know, and by watching the video, it, it looked pretty easy. You just unplug a couple of bolts, pull the old one out, put the new one out, plug it in, and. And you're good to go. And I'm like, okay, I, I can do this. This will be good. Uh, she won't even know how easy it is. I'll act like it was super difficult, and she'll be super proud of her husband. You know, I'll just be doing. I'll, I'll get points. You know, this will be, you know, what I can do. And so I, I, I get started. I get under the car. I start unplugging bolts. Everything's going well, and something happens to me that normally happens to me when I try to fix things. I get stuck in a problem, in a mess. I couldn't get the old starter out of the car. It was dislodged. It was unplugged. Everything, you know, was looking good. I couldn't get it out. I was wrestling with that thing for a couple of hours trying to get it out of my car, and it got so frustrating. What started off as this big boost of confidence became a huge blow to my insecurity, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Again, it's happening to me. Again, and so I, I wrestled with it some more, and finally I'm just like, I'm done. I hate cars, I hate tools, and I definitely hate starters in cars. I, I wanted to just pour gas in my car, light a match, and walk all slow like the bad, tough guys do in the, in the action movies, you know, as the things on fire blowing up behind me. I just wanted to be done with it, but unfortunately my wife needed her car, so I couldn't leave mine dead in the water. I had to get it fixed, and and so I, I'm taking a break, and and uh, just trying to clear my head, trying to figure another game plan to go back out there. And lo and behold, my father in law shows up. So I guess my wife was on the phone with her mom, and all of a sudden her dad shows up. And he starts to work in my car within like 15 minutes. He has the old one out and the new one in. So now I'm thinking, it's, it's, it's done. I'm done. I'm I just like, I, ca- I guess this is not for me. I guess I was never meant to fix cars, I was never meant to work on things. He can do it in like 10 minutes, but I can't do it in like three hours. You know, you know. and I just start beating myself up and going just like really hard on myself. I start believing these lies the enemy wanted me to think that I'll just never be handy. I might as well just start saving my money because anytime anything breaks, I'm just going to have to pay somebody to fix it. I better have a real nice job. We need to tithe some more in here. I need, I need some more money. No, <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, but I just started thinking all of these things. You know, and it just was really frustrated because yet again I failed. I didn't I didn't I didn't do it. Someone else had to bail me out. But here's the deal. When I watched the video, I saw all the steps and I knew all the steps. But when I got under my car and I started wrenching on my car, one of the things the guy in the video said, he said, "Before you can take out the old starter, You've got to remove this little tiny bracket. And when I got on there, I loosened the bracket, and I thought, you know what? I bet if I just move that bracket out of the way, I could get the starter out and not have to monkey with that, and I could just get the new one in, and we'll be all good. That's why I was struggling with the part, what seemed like for hours. Because rather than following the instructions and the directions I was given, I thought I knew better didn't want to take the time to actually do what I was told to do, and yet somebody else with more wisdom and common sense to actually do what you should do had to come and bail me out. I was trusting in my own understanding, my own beliefs, and if I had just slowed down and went back and did what I knew I should have done to begin with, I would have been able to fix my starter. I think this is one of the biggest issues we have in the Christian life. Especially as we're talking about walking in the power of God with the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the area of healing. Many of us, we want to experience the results of having a new starter in the car, right? No bad starter, car doesn't start. The starter ignites with, with a spark the fuel in the car to give what drives the car, the engine, the ability to go down the road. So without a starter, there's no life in the car. And that's often how we view this Christian life. We're like, okay, I've got Jesus. Now now I'm good to go. But yet, we still feel dead in the water. There are things that we can't overcome. There's a disconnect, something that's not right in our spiritual life. It's like trying to drive down the road with a dead starter in the car. We want the, the effect or the experience that a new starter brings, that this device brings in our life, but yet we still have something hanging on the old one we still have a little bracket hanging on to the dead part of our lives that keeps us from living and experiencing what we desire to experience with the Lord and we we just kind of go with how we feel in this life like I just thought well I just feel like I could do this better we, we live by how we feel rather than following the instructions left by the Lord and so when life doesn't work out like we thought it would or or should Rather than going back to the instructions, we just throw our hands up and say, this must just be my lot in life. This just must not be my gift. I might just have to deal with this for the rest of my life. God is just probably not going to heal me. He's probably not going to use me in that way. And when we believe the lies the enemy tells us, we empower his lies. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar and you give him authority to keep you stuck with no spark in your engine. Some of us really get close to getting that old starter out. Like I I just remember it just like being like almost there. Like I think I can get it. I think I can get it. But still no traction, no movement because there was still a bracket in the way. And many of us, when it comes to our spiritual life, there's a bracket that you're refusing to deal with that's getting in the way of what God wants to do in you and through you. I believe this is one of the biggest obstacles, really, to health and well-being that every believer faces. We wrestle with in this Christian life, and it's one of the main targets God wants to restore in our lives by realigning us to a simple and yet profound truth that he's recorded for us in the Scripture, demonstrated us uh, for us through the life of Jesus, and, and just reveals in his word all throughout the world That he sent his spirit. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. God sent his spirit after Jesus went to heaven so that we could actually live and experience the life that Jesus came to open up to us. To live the overcoming Christian life. Does that mean you'll never have problems? No, but it means you have peace through all your problems. Does it mean you always feel strong? No, but greater is his strength in our weakness than when we feel strong. His strength is made perfect. There's there's a goodness God wants us to experience and he wants us to partner with them so that goodness can be experienced by those that are around us. In ancient times, there was a city called Gilead in the uh, the land of Edom in ancient Israel or ancient Middle East, and uh, it was well known for something specific. In Genesis 37, verse 25, this is the story of Joseph as his brothers who were jealous of him decide to betray him. And they wanted to kill him, but they decided it probably wasn't a good idea to kill their own brother. So instead, they sold him into slavery, which option B wasn't that much greater. But they decided to sell him into slavery. So in this passage, you have this caravan of Ishmaelites coming along the way. And in verse 25, it says, They sat down to eat bread. They lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. This land of Gilead is where this, these Ishmaelites were coming from who they were traders and they were bringing wares from Gilead down into Egypt. One of those things was myrrh. Myrrh was a very potent resin that was used to kind of it was like the Febreze of the ancient world. Uh, they would put it on dead bodies so that it the stink didn't really, you know, overpower it, it kind of eliminated that exp- that that nasty smell. But the other thing that they had was balm. Somebody say balm. They had balm, not lip balm, but balm. And what balm was, it was an ointment used to treat sickness or disease. It was medicine for healing. The land of Gilead had become well-known not just for its trade, its wares, but for its medicine. It became a, 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 a place of healing and wellness. Many would go there and buy of its wares to acquire what they needed to bring healing into their lives. In the times of ancient Israel, just before the Babylonians came in, long after King David, after the Babylonians came in and destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, sent the people into exile, God raised up a prophet named Jeremiah who would often try to call Israel back to a place where God could bring blessing into their lives again. And in Jeremiah 8, verse 21, this is God speaking through the prophet. He says, I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and I'm overcome with grief. He's he's watching everything happening to his his people because the blessing of God had been removed. They had turned away from God and now the cursing God proclaimed that would come if they walked away from the Lord, if they were followed into idolatry and pagan worship, if they committed abominations before the Lord, if they turned their back on their covenant, he said that you're going to bring cursing on yourself. And God's watching these cursing, this cursing happen, and he's grieved as he's almost helpless to do anything about it. In verse 22, he says, is there no medicine in where? Is there no medicine in Gilead? This is the Lord. He's like, is there no medicine there? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? Even in this time, a, as they are going through all these different things and the, the land is being ravaged, pestilence is abound, war is filling the air, filling the land. God is saying, using Gilead as this metaphor for healing and wellness. Jeremiah 46, 11, as God is actually beginning to rebuke the people, he says, go up to Gilead and get medicine, O virgin daughter of Egypt. But your many treatments will bring you no healing. Gilead was a place of healing and wellness. And we can see from what God is saying and what the Bible is revealing, that Israel had gotten to a point where they started to view Gilead not as just a city that, that was known for its medicine, but they began to rely on Gilead for their healing. Is there no doctor that can heal you in Gilead? You think there's a doctor in Gilead that can heal you? Okay, go and try to find your healing. What the Bible is revealing is that when it came to being sick, when it came to negative situations in their life, where did they turn? They turned to what they could see, what they could taste, what they could touch, what they could rationalize and understand with their own minds. They trusted in physical medicine to heal physical infirmities. We talked in our last message Uh, A couple weeks ago about fearless praise that often because of religious upbringing, we get caught in mindsets and belief systems and traditions that actually work against what God wants to do in our lives rather than uh, enable what God wants to do in our lives. They they work against God's goodness. And here Israel is showing another mindset that they had that was working against what God was wanting to do. They were they were no different than what we struggle with today when they were sick in the life of Israel at this point in their life, they didn't seek the Lord for their healing. They sought science. They didn't seek faith in God. They sought a city, a treatment that they could tangibly see. And what God is revealing here through Jeremiah is he's saying, you can buy all the medicine you want. You can see all the doctors you want, but you're not going to find the cure for what is really ailing you. Think think about this. It doesn't matter what sickness or disease you have. It doesn't matter how many doctors you see in this life. Medical science cannot keep you from death. Medical science cannot stop the day of your death. It doesn't matter how many new fads, new diets, new crazes, new, new medicines. It doesn't matter how much robotic material they want to put in you to turn you into the bionic man how many new knees, new shoulders, at some point it all breaks down and at some point you will die. This is why Jesus in John chapter 11 says, I am the resurrection, I am the life, and those who believe in me, though they die, will live. Because there's one source of healing. There is one who has power even over death. And it's the Lord. Many of us when it comes to sickness and disease, we don't even consider God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. Then you'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then you'll have healing. Proverbs 4, 21 through 23 it says, don't lose sight of them, talking about the instructions and wisdom and commandments of the Lord it said, let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their what their whole, their whole body. The instructions, the commandments of the Lord bring healing to their whole body, body. And then he says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. We like to use this verse because it has many applications We're right here. The writer of Proverbs is connecting it to the healing that God wants to do in your life. Guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. What course? The course between health and wellness, healing and prosperity, or cursing and struggle. The opposite of what God wants to do in your life. The heart determines the course of your life. When it's in alignment with God, then he's able to produce good things. And not just in physical health, but in all areas of life. There's a reason why Jesus, in the same passage we read last week, we're talking about deliverance, about setting the captive free, open prison doors, healing the blind. He also said, I've come to heal the broken hearted. I've come to heal the broken hearted. Much of what we wrestle with in this life, in the area of health and well-being, is not a physical issue, but it's a spiritual issue. I mean, if you just Google search, you can do it right now on your phone as we're talking. One of the leading causes of death in our country right now and around the world is heart disease. It's heart disease. And heart disease, contributing factors to heart disease are high blood pressure, high blood cholesterol, smoking are key factors, other medical conditions and lifestyle choices also put people at higher risk for heart disease, including diabetes, overweight, uh, being overweight, and obesity. These are leading causes general Google search will, will show you that did you know most doctors will tell you you can treat if not cure all of those things through diet through your diet through what you eat I mean it's amazing about what food does to our system what food does to our body and th- it's not like this knowledge is secret it's out there right I, I know two specific women who had infertility problems who couldn't get pregnant they went on the paleo diet And both of them, when their body, their their scientific mumbo-jumbo in their body changed because of their diet, they both became pregnant and have healthy children. Just our diet alone, what God built into this world in the natural resources that we have, I mean, it's just amazing what properties the vitamins and nutrients that a proper diet will do into our lives. We know this, but yet McDonald's is one of the biggest selling items of all time. You know, it baffles me how ridiculous we get sometimes. I, I work a part-time job for this company called Shipped. and if you probably know about it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's like getting paid to be on a scavenger hunt. But it, it it really baffles me how ridiculous some people are. Like, I'll get this list. It's like 80 items. It's supposed to take me an hour to shop. And it's all these, like, never heard of, gluten-free, sugar-free, like, taste-free items that, that only, only, like, really – into being a foodie, you know, like people would know, and, and I'm like, I've never even heard of these brands. Like, like I, I think we just skip over these things. But I'm going through, and, I, and I'm finding all this organic stuff: organic bananas, organic strawberries, organic this. All, and, and then I get to the end of their list. Colleen knows what I'm talking about. You have all this organic stuff, and then you have five giant tubs of ice cream or Eggo waffles. Or, or something absolutely ridiculous. It's like, really? Like, do you not see the correlation here? Like, I'm not sure Eggo Waffles makes it on the diet. But but they do. I had, like, the reverse happen to me. I was I was dealing with a customer, and and, uh, and she was buying all sorts of candy and, like, donuts and all this stuff. And she had apple juice on her order. And they were out of the brand that she wanted. The, the Meyer apple juice is hardly ever in stock. But they had, like, the reduced to sugar, like, 50% reduced sugar, and I, I messaged her. I said, they don't have the one you wanted, but do you want the, the reduced sugar one? It's in the same brand, and she's like, no, I need my sugar. And I'm like, this girl's got a weight problem. If not, she's definitely got a heart problem. You know, this is crazy. So I, I, I get down to the end of the order, and I always do the dairy last, and so on the last item on there was creamer, sugar-free creamer. I'm like, I'm not letting this one go. I messaged her and I said, sugar-free creamer? Really? Question mark? And she sends me all these laughing emojis. She's like, I know, I know, it doesn't make sense. When I go to deliver the order, her husband comes out and he's cracking up. He was like... That was perfect. I, don't, I, don't like, I didn't <laughs> expect that, but that I've been telling her all the time, it doesn't matter. Look at all this other stuff you eat, sugar-free creamer. And I'm like, what's the deal with that? And she comes to the door, and she's like, well, I just thought if like, I added my own sugar, it wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> like, what? Like, really? It just doesn't make sense. It baffles me how we get these things twisted up in our mind, these little brackets that just hang on in our spirit, in our mind and in our hearts that we think, oh, we, we got this. We know this doesn't make sense, but it's working against us. The very things that we want to see in our lives, you know, some of us, we want healing in our finances, but we don't tie. God says store up the first and your best, the first 10% of all you earn. That's gross. Off the top, before you give to anything else, give it to me. Trust me with 10, and I'll bless the 90. But yet we think somehow we can get along better with a cursed 100 than a blessed 90. And yet we want out of poverty. We want out of debt. We want out of bills. We want out of making all these same mistakes that we keep making over and over again. Some of us want healing in our relationships, in our marriages. You want healing with this person that you've been with for years and years, but yet you're not married. God's not going to bless something he hasn't ordained. Or maybe you are married, and yet you just have all this dysfunction. And we read in Ephesians 5, Men love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave up himself. Don't fight for what you want. Fight for what she wants. Wives, respect your husbands as if he is the Lord. Submit to his leadership. And yet we have women who want to control and dominate and fix their husbands rather than follow their leadership. And it's not because we don't have what we would say valid reasons. It's because we think we know better than the instruction manual. And we're calling on God, God, why haven't you healed my relationship? Why haven't you healed my health? Why haven't you healed my finances? And he said, why haven't you listened to what I've had to say? Why haven't you listened? I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, but yet the brackets get in the way. We have the instructions from the Lord, but health and well-being is not found in quick fixes. You can't eat all the garbage you want and expect to take a diet pill and be healthy. It just doesn't work. There's no such thing as overnight success or fast and quick and easy things. See, the Israelites were only interested in treating the physical symptoms rather than the curse that caused their sickness to begin with. They did not have a plague problem. They had a heart problem. They sought Gilead to treat their symptoms rather than seeking God to cure the disease. We don't have a sickness problem. We don't have a marriage problem. We don't have a financial problem. We don't have a fill-in-the-blank problem. We have a sin problem. And until we deal with the sin problem, the matter of the heart, we can't expect the funnel of God's healing power to be flowing into our lives. You know, Israel had no interest in seeking the Lord. And Jesus confirms a prophecy, Isaiah writes in Isaiah 6, as he's trying to call Israel back to the Lord during the same time the Babylonian takeover in Matthew 13:15 Jesus relates that this thing that Isaiah said wasn't just for the time and the place there as they're getting ready to be dominated by the Babylonians that it was relative to the people in his day that he was dealing with and I think it's even relative today in the lives of many who call on the name of Christ Matthew 13 15 says the hearts of these people are hardened their ears cannot hear they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see their ears cannot hear their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them When you harden your heart to the Lord, you withhold yourself from the healing that he wants to do in your life. Because it requires turning to him, coming in alignment and agreement with him, which often means forsaking the sin that we're trying to protect and hold on to. God wants to heal you. Everything he created was to bring you good. He delights in you. I appreciate the word my wife shared earlier today. Such a powerful revelation when you get that God doesn't just love me, he loves me. He doesn't just delight in us, he delights in me, that he's excited to see me. Like he gets overjoyed because every day his mercy's new, which means when I wake up, he's excited that I'm awake today. We were, we were talking about this last night. There's a picture that we have of our oldest daughter Jocelyn when she was just really small, and in a crib, her, barely, her hair is barely in, it's all wispy, and she looks like a train wreck, but it's so adorable and cute, and she's just sitting up in her bed, and like leaning over to the side with this crooked smile on her face, and she always used to say, I awake, I awake, you know, and just thinking about that. If I feel like that about my own daughter, imagine your Heavenly Father And when he thinks about you, you don't get too old for God to love you. You don't get to be too anything for God to look at you and be like, they're awake today. I get to show them my goodness today. I get to love them today. I can't wait to teach them something new today. God wants to heal you. He delights in you. What Jesus is declaring both from the Old and now in the New Testament is that the people of God had come to a place they had misplaced their faith. They trusted in Gilead to heal, heal their bodies. They trusted in a temple to heal their souls. They trusted in their religion. But ultimately it is God and God alone who can bring true shalom, true wholeness and peace to the body, the soul, and the spirit. The very peace God promised if He would, if you would simply seek Him with your whole heart and walk in His way. It's promised. Seek him with your whole heart. We can't seek him when we still have brackets holding on to what's been dead. Like me, Israel had the instruction manual. They had the directions. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they thought it really didn't matter what was written, what the steps were. They didn't feel like going through all the trouble. They thought they knew better, and so in pride, they hardened their hearts to the truth, the very truth that Jesus said is what sets us free. Remain in the truth, and it will set you free. And because they hardened their hearts, scales grew over their spiritual eyes, their spiritual ears became plugged, their spiritual heart became hardened, and they were held at a distance to the blessings that God wanted to pour out in their lives and left to deal with the consequences of their decision. And rather than divine direction, they continued on the path of frustration and devastation. And this is where some of us today are in our lives. We're on a path not of blessing, of goodness, of the abundant life, but on a path of frustration and devastation in different areas of life because we have misplaced our faith. We're trusting in the wrong thing. We're trusting in the wrong thing. There's a story in the New Testament that takes a different turn. Mark chapter 5, beginning verse 21, says Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of a local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could touch his robe, I will be healed. Somebody say, I will be healed. If I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition and Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? And the disciples said, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then frightened the woman, trembling, realized that what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done, expecting a rebuke, I, I promise you. She thought, Oh, no, I'm in trouble. But he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. She was following the example of those before her. Seek the doctors. Seek the science. Seek the hospitals. Seek the treatments. You're feeling bad? Take a pill. You, you can't find what you want at Walmart? Go to Meyer. You can't find it at Meyer, Go to the walk-in clinic. You can't find so Just go wherever you can to alleviate the symptoms. She never got better. She got worse. She finally came to her senses when she heard the name, which is above every name, the name of Jesus. And she said, if this Jesus is coming to town, then I know if I can get close enough to touch him, I will be healed. I want to say right here, I don't believe there's anything wrong with the medical field. I believe the medical field is a gift from God. Ben Carson was, ran for president, I think was the first surgeon to separate conjoined twins in the brain and have them survive. That is a miracle. He also happens to be an avid believer in Jesus Christ. Many scientific breakthroughs have come through many believers who full in faith, and I believe God uses the medical field to bring about healing. It's one of the methods he uses. It's a tool, but it's not the only tool. I think there are many good uses and reasons for the medical field. But how many issues do we deal with in the body and in the mind? And as soon as we have the slightest bit of discomfort, the first thought we have without even thinking about it is, I need to take a pill. I need to go see the doctor. When what is happening in the physical can actually be a result of what's happening in the spiritual. But because you're ignoring the spiritual, you'll never find a cure in physical. Many of us want to treat symptoms but don't really want to treat the cause because that means admitting something. That means unplugging your spiritual ears that have protected you from hearing the truth and pulling off the scales from your eyes which have protected you from having to see the truth and have breaking down the walls around your spiritual heart which is kept you feeling comfortable and, and, and okay with religion because it just it gives you a set of things that you can fulfill in your own power, and once you do that, you don't really need God in any other area of your life. And so we keep medicating symptoms, and yet the cause has gone untreated. but see, you know, human beings, when left up to their own devices apart from God, we don't flow with the Spirit. The Bible says we're all sinners. We don't seek after God. Medical science is great, but just a few years ago, some things that were not permitted, not allowed, are actually being accepted and tested on now. You know, we're talking about God and His creation. He made everything good, He made everything to re- reproduce after His kind. Trees reproduce trees, dogs reproduce dogs, cats reproduce cats, humans reproduce humans, right? It just makes sense. We see the flow. And he said it's good, and he said this will bring about flourishing. This will bring about the goodness uh, of God in all of creation. Go and fill the earth with the glory of the Lord was his intention. But man has been doing something that that is violating that very thing. Like we're modifying genetic structures of things, right? We're taking broccoli and cauliflower, putting them together, and making a broccoli flower. That's weird. You can't look at the back of really anything you buy at the store now, the grocery store, not seeing a modified food fill in the blank. We're messing with the genetic properties of things, and and again, we're we're trying to find this out, but recently, I think it's 2019, in Japan, they just approved permission to begin working on splicing the genetics of animals and humans together to harvest organs in order to try to treat and cure diseases. The very thing, we're told, back in Genesis 6, was happening when the angels fell from heaven and started rebellion on earth, which was the results or what led up to the flood to begin with. So the very thing that the enemy was trying to do back in the day that God said, "Nope, we need to start this thing all over and flooded the earth and, and rescued Noah and allowed them to repopulate the earth, we're doing the very same things again. Why? Because science and medicine is now atheistic or anti-religion, and we're following the ways of our own hearts. So medicine has a goodness about it, but it is not God. Nor is it good. Man has been doing this for all along. God's will is for goodness and blessing to permeate everything. It's sin and death that causes pain and suffering. And when we step outside of God's will, it doesn't produce his goodness in our lives. Jesus said to the woman who was sick, when she knelt before the Lord, he turned to her and he said, your faith has made you well, not the doctor's not the medicine, not your human effort, your faith has made you well. Hebrews 11.6, it's impossible to please God without what? Without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. But anyone who wants to come to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Why did healing power come out? Like, notice, Jesus didn't have to turn to talk to her. He didn't have to say, you know, be healed. He didn't have to lay hands on her. She touched him, and she was healed. Your faith has the ability to call from heaven the virtue of God to bring about healing into your life. You don't have to have a a minister who has a gift of healing to come and lay hands on you, necessarily. God can heal you like this. He's pleased when we activate our faith. But faith isn't just words alone. It's it's believing God and then acting on His promises. It's it's both belief and action together. You don't just believe He exists, but you come to Him. You believe He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. It's an active faith. And may it be the reason why we don't see much healing or experience healing That We need or that we want it's because we're still trusting in the wrong God we're trusting in vaccines and scientists and tests and governments and hospitals and places that and people we can see smell taste and touch we're trusting in this new pill and how it makes me feel when in reality we're only masking the problem. Those are tools of God that he uses for healing not the source of healing. And even in our spiritual lives many probably haven't even thought about it but there could be a reason why you're here today part of it is if you've invited somebody to church and I don't want to call anybody out I don't I'm not thinking of anybody's name but this has happened before when you invite somebody to church you'll say I want you to come and hear my pastor teach I want you to come and hear the worship band play what are you saying it's in the man that's why I'm here it's in the band that keeps me here. Beloved, I have nothing to say to you without the anointing of God that can make a difference in your life. The worship band can play every right chord, but without the anointing of God, it makes no difference. It's not the man. It's not the method. It's the presence of Almighty God that makes the difference. You don't come here for the man or for the band. You come for the one who's King of kings and Lord of lords. Mark two seventeen. Jesus is talking to these religious leaders that that, that were upset about the people he was hanging out with. And he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. What is he saying? He's saying, if you don't know you're sick or don't think you're sick, you have no part in what the healing I want to bring. You got to admit there's a sickness. You got to come to realization that you have a need, a need in your life that you can't solve yourself. And when you come to that place, that the first decision, the first act of healing God wants to do is spiritual healing. He wants to save your soul. He wants to wash your sin away. He wants what he did on the cross to make a difference in your life. And that happens when you come to that place and say, God, I'm tired of being God of my own life. Today, I'm making Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I'm trusting in his death and resurrection. I'm going all in with Jesus. When you do that, the scripture says that you'll become born again. The spirit of God will live in you and your life will be forever changed. And not just this life, but your eternal life. It's the first healing God wants to do. And some of you here today, you've believed in your religious system, not in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the church you attended. It's not how many services you've been to. It's not in your confirmation classes or your baptism. It's in the gospel of Jesus, his death and resurrection and his love for you and your receipt of that love by saying, I'm giving my heart back to you. It's the first healing he wants to do. And when he comes into your life and when you make that decision, the spirit of God comes upon you, then you become a weapon in the kingdom. Then you become a tool of healing in the kingdom. In Mark or Matthew chapter 10, God gave this command to his disciples as he sent them out. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, and give as freely as you receive. Beloved, if you've not received, how can you give it? You've got to receive Jesus to share Jesus. But his command to all of us is to be about healing. To go into the world and heal, raise, cure, cast out, and give freely. Give it away. We don't charge for it. You don't have to pay an admission price to come in here today. No one's saying amen, so maybe we should. We'll make some money on the side. You don't have to pay an admission price. It's free. You come and receive. What's he want you to do? Take what you've received and give it away. God wants to heal you so you can turn around and give that healing to someone else. He saved your soul so you'll turn around and share the, the path to salvation with this Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and to share that with someone so their soul can be saved. He wants to... Bring the Spirit of God into your life to to turn your life upside down so you can lay hands on other people and their life can be turned upside down. He wants to fill you so through you he can fill others. This is the mandate on the church when it comes to healing. It's not just that we need to get stuff out of our life. That is what God is waiting for so that he can do what he wants to do in our life. There is a glimpse of the kingdom of God when Jesus comes back, that's the, the great blessing when he comes back and he sets up his throne. You, at the end of Revelation, if you, you skip the first 18 chapters, you can get through all the scary stuff. And then you get to 19, 20, 21. It's where we talk about the kingdom of God, the, the, the holy city coming out of heaven, adorned in splendor, the place we're going to live with God forever and forever, where there's no crying, no sin, no shame, no pain. He wipes every tear from our eye. This is like the the moment of heaven that's going to literally come to earth. It will be a physical reality. In this time, the Bible gives us a glimpse of what we will see and experience in the kingdom of God. Revelation chapter 22. In verse 1, he says, Then an angel showed me, what's it say? A river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. Each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, a fresh crop each month, and the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. We did a message series during the the shutdown called "The Healing of the Nations. This is so important for us to wrap our minds around when it comes to healing. In eternity, there is no death. There is no pain. There is no sickness. Why do we need leaves for healing? Because this is who God is. He's offering healing when it doesn't even, isn't even needed. He's a healer. This is who he is. But what I want you to see is that in this broken world today, man seeks Gilead for medicine, but in the perfected kingdom, where do people go for healing if they need it? To the very throne room of God. Out of the throne comes a river of life. On either side of the river are trees, trees of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, a new one on each season. And its leaves are used to bring the healing for the nations. If in eternity healing was needed, you would go to the very throne room of God. One day this will be a physical reality. Back in Luke chapter 17, there's some people asking Jesus, when is this kingdom coming? And Jesus is kind of giving them uh, a teaching on the kingdom. And he says to them, you won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there for the kingdom of God is what? Already among you. So he's like blowing minds, right? The the Old Testament Jews were waiting for this kingdom, the, the Revelation 22 kingdom to happen, the eternal kingdom of the Messiah. But Jesus is saying, yeah, not only is that happening, but don't worry about that because it's already here. It's already here. I've already opened it up to you, this kingdom of God. So he's revealing a future physical reality for the kingdom, but also a present spiritual reality. The kingdom of God is among us. As the Spirit performs signs, wonders, and miracles, as Jesus died and rose again, the door to the kingdom has been opened to us. And this is so important because I want you to see the picture of what God has invited us into, into the time we're living in right now. In the very time we're in right now, the kingdom is among us. So if the kingdom of God is among us, That means so is the presence of the Lord, right? If the kingdom is among us, that is the presence of the Lord. Jesus' time was in Jesus because Jesus is God filled with the Holy Spirit. But now Jesus is in heaven. He's poured out His spirit. Spirit lives in us. The kingdom of God is among us. Everything that flows out of the kingdom of God, out of the presence of God, the trees of life, the rivers, the healing of the nations, is all tied into that reality. Now, in Matthew 18, 20, here's a promise of Christ. Read it with me. He says, where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am what? I am among them. So we have the presence of God, the kingdom of God. When we gather together, the presence of God is revealed in us through the nature of the Holy Spirit. So not just the Spirit lives in me. When we gather together, guess who's with us? Everyone give Jesus a high five. High five, Jesus. He's here. Because we're gathered in his name. Psalm 22, we talked about worship. Psalm 22 says he is enthroned on the praises of his people. So if we gather in his name and his presence is here, and we're worshiping with fearless praise, his throne comes down. So now we have the presence, and we have the very throne of God. Revelation 22 says out of the throne comes a river of living water which gives birth to the trees of life and the leaves that heal. If Jesus is here, the presence is here, as we're worshiping, the throne has come down. Where is the living water? Where's the river of living water? Jesus reveals this to us in John chapter 4. I want you to see this. This is so important for your spiritual life. In John 4, beginning in verse 10, as he's having his conversation with the woman at the well, says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, beloved, if you only knew the gift God has for you, if you only knew, he says, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than this? He and his sons and his animals enjoyed. And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes what? A fresh bubbling, say it out loud, a bubbling spring within them. When you drink the living water of the Lord, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within you. It bubbles. It's a spring. This last summer, we went on family vacation and we went to, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, this place called, I think it's called Kitchikippi. Anybody ever heard of Kitchikippi in Michigan? It's literally, it used to be a, like a garbage hole for like miners and other people. They, they discovered it was actually something really significant. There's a state park in Michigan and you have to drive like on dirt roads out of the middle of nowhere to get to it, but it literally, is like a football field-sized spring with crystal-clear water, and you can see straight to the bottom, like 50 to 60 feet down. You can see the fish plain as day, clear. Also at the bottom of the spring, you can see the fissure where the water is bubbling up. You can see it. It's a constant flow. It's a constant flow. What is the spring doing? The spring is feeding the whole of water constantly filling it up why is it filling it up well because water evaporates it's sucked up by the trees around it's it's taken up by the animals that live off it. it's providing life to everything around it it's what this spring is doing and the above the fissure below is bubbling up underneath it's continually supplying this spring with water And what Jesus is telling us, I want you to track with me. This is the spiritual reality for the kingdom of God right now in us. That the springs that feed the river of life, that proceed from the throne in the presence of God, are in yours and my heart. The kingdom of God will be a physical place, but until then, the presence of God is available. The throne comes down when we worship with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. And what God has put in us, the Holy Spirit, is meant to be a spring to bubble up so that the water in us can flow out of us and begin to nourish everything around us. And when your spring carves out a creek bed and it connects with the spring that's in my heart, and those creek beds come together, and your creek bed comes together, that river begins to flow. And what happens as that river is flowing is now it can nourish the seeds that God plants. Jesus told a parable that said the seeds represent the word of God. And when they're planted on good soil, they spring up to bear much fruit. The seeds of the word, as we are letting the spirit fill and overflow in our lives, those seeds of the word that we're sowing and that we're taking in on in ourselves, they're going to begin to grow. Trees of life. And on those trees of life are going to be fruit. You're going to bear much fruit and now off those trees are going to come branches that are going to have leaves that are be used for the healing of the nations. Jesus said, "I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me you can do nothing. But abide in me and you can accomplish all things. Apart from me you can do nothing, but in me you can accomplish all things." So here's here's the picture as we're looking at the kingdom of God said as God opens that fissure in us, the more we can let that bubble up, the more we can let that flow and overflow, the more traction and current that river has, the more that can be nourished, the more trees that can be sown, the more roots that can take hold, the more fruit that can be produced, and the more healing that can come in our lives, in our family, in our nation. The kingdom of God is here among us. And healing is in its wings. Isaiah 53. It was our sorrows he carried. It was our weaknesses he carried, our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for our own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. And by his stripes, we could be healed God wants to heal you He wants to fill you with His Spirit so springs of life can overflow and out of your life will come healing from the Lord God not just wants to heal you, He wants to heal through you and I believe today that God's promise is the same today as it was many years ago God's promise is if you come to me I will no likewise cast you out. But the question I have for you, beloved, is what brackets are still in your life? Because what those brackets do is they keep you attached to what's dead and not to what's living. And when we hold on to those brackets, what we're doing is we're putting a cap on the spring that is meant to bring life. And we're restricting and restraining what God wants to bubble up We're restricting and restraining the life He wants to produce in us and through us and pour out into other people. What are the things in your life that are keeping you from experiencing everything God has for you and from using you to expand the kingdom around you? I just believe in this moment that God wants to pull the scales off the eyes and open the ears and soften the heart. He wants to draw us into a place where his life can overflow. But we have to take a minute and come back into alignment with his word. We have to remove the bracket so what is dead can be moved out of the way and he can plug in a new starter. And he can light the spark and the flame in your heart can burn and the engine of God's Spirit can roar God wants to do this in you and maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior there's never been a time in your life you've been to church you've been through religious classes you've done things that are spiritual in nature but there's never been a time in your life where you verbalized a prayer you said God forgive me of my sins save my soul I'm trusting in Jesus as my Lord and Savior today he gets to be Lord if you've never done that the Bible says you're still apart from God you're, you're still disconnected to the life he wants to breathe into you but God in his patience and his mercy and his kindness he's calling he says come to me I'm not going to cast you out I'm going to give you a new life I'm going to give you a taste of this water And you're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. And out of that spring is going to come the healing that you want to see. It's going to come in your marriage. It's going to come in your kids. It's going to come in your families, in your job, in your relationships you've never accepted Christ you need to do that today in just a minute, minute when we stand and when we open the time for prayer I want you to come down here I want you to meet me down here we're going to pray together and then I'm going to pray a blessing on your life as you begin this journey with Jesus Christ maybe there are other things in your life maybe you're still holding on to religion maybe there are secret things you just don't want to bring up because you're afraid of dealing with that it's like knowing you have a weight problem but you don't want to start a diet to deal with it God is saying, walk in the light. Bring these things to me and you'll find healing. When we stand, if you've got stuff in your life that's keeping you from giving your heart fully to the Lord, from that you've got a cap on the spring that he wants to bubble up in your life, and you come and you lay down at these seats and you pour that out, you confess it to God, repent of that, get the bracket out of the way, and give God control and authority over your life and watch what he does. Watch what He begins to do in your life. If you have pain and sickness in your body, I believe that Jesus wants to heal today. We're going to be down front. We're going to be praying and discerning of the Lord. Whatever it is, we'll pray for you. We'll believe God for healing and for a miracle. I just believe God wants to do something so significant in our church. I believe He wants to set us out as healing physicians in the world to even recapture the heart of the medical field with his divine wisdom and power because there are things that he wants to bring into this world that are withheld because it's not under his authority. Today, let it begin with us as we receive this mantle of healing, this focus of healing, and let's do it by responding to what God is saying and speaking to your heart. Let's all stand together as we go into a time of prayer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in this place. God, I thank you for your healing power, your healing touch. I thank you, God, for your promise. I thank you, God, for what you're doing and speaking. God, I thank you for those that are going to not stand in fear, but they're going to walk in faith and come down and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm thankful for those, God, they are going to be bold, and they're going to come touch the hem of Jesus' garment and receive a healing today. God, I thank you for how you're going to speak. And you're going to declare a uh, prophetic word to, to call people into their uh, identity as followers of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for those that are once and for all that are going to lay their sin down, the things that they've been re- resisting dealing with, the things that they've been hesitating on, the brackets in their life, keeping them connected to what is dead. They're going to release that today to receive the new that is going to bring them into a, an incredible life. God, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name for this word. God, I just thank you for those you're going to fill with the Spirit. If you believe that you want more of God in your life, that you're ready and take the next step in your life of faith, we want to pray a filling of the Spirit on you. I believe that God is wanting to touch some people today. So you too, you come forward, and we'll pray with you. As we stand, as we sing, let's pray.